1: Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi.
0: Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Total financial hour. A lot of fun this hour. We're going to talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. You know, I don't know if you paid any attention to the po- political stuff that's happening. Oh, surprise. It's divisive. Thank you, President Obama. Uh, surprise. It, it actually uh, is an emergency at the border. But but let's talk about this. When you have illegal immigration coming across the border in record numbers, uh, you've heard me say before, who, who is it that's coming? Is it the successful entrepreneur in Mexico? that runs a very successful, uh, amazing company? Is it some of the first-generation immigrants that have come to Mexico from other parts of Europe or the Middle East or Asia that are successful? No. (laughs) It is actually the lowest income, the most persecuted, the uh, most... uh, What's the best word to put it? Marginalized? group in Central and in South America, mo- mostly Central and Mexico, uh, meaning it's the Indian, Native, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, the Native people, right, Indigenous people, the Mayan, the Indigenous group. You know, we did a missions trip once up in the, the mountains of Guatemala, six hours by bus north of Guatemala City, way up in the mountains, close to the Nicaraguan border. It's beyond beautiful. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see that part of the country. Of course, it's a, it's quite dangerous now with some of the drug issues, but it's still such beautiful uh, culture. And the people, the way they treat you as a visitor is as if they've known you your entire life. My experience with the Guatemalan people is beyond uh, just a group of guys or gals that are stopping by for the first time. This is a real uh, genuine uh, and welcoming a, a group. Okay, so why are they coming to the United States? Why, why are they fleeing? Why is it the marginalized, the lowest on the economic rung? In fact, some of them barely speak Spanish and, and they speak Mayan. Right, or their Spanish literacy is a first or second grade, meaning they never really went to a formal education. Why are they coming here? Oh, well, economic opportunity. Well, I just told you there's first-generation Filipinos that, that come to Mexico, and they do very well financially. Uh, Arabs, uh, uh, Chinese. Uh, listen, there's a lot of people that do very well in Mexico. So why are these people fleeing? And Why is that our problem? I mean, I don't want to be mean, but why did it become our problem? You know, we talked plenty of time how the wall would be of assistance. And President Trump was very much correct when he said Mexico would pay for the wall. It's very simple. I mean, you could do it in a roundabout way. It's what he did, or at least what he meant to do and what he tried to do. You just impose a a tariff on all these money-changing companies where they send money to Central and South America. Right, You've seen them. Go to any shopping mall, any strip mall, and you'll see. You know, you might know of the traditional Western Union, but there's dozens of these different types of money-changing companies. Hey, if you're going to send money from the United States to there, it's a 5% tax. Most of you are not paying income tax on this money anyway. Certainly, you're not paying Social Security tax on this money. So if you're going to send money from the United States to overseas, we're going to charge you a 5% tax, a tariff, uh, whatever. And then they use that in a bucket and that becomes part of it because it's money that Mexico would have received or Central America or Philippines or the Middle East or Canada. People send money all over the place and it's not just to Latin countries. India, Bangladesh, I mean, people wire money. So the wall is an immigration, direct immigration issue. Sending money overseas is a direct immigration issue. So the, the new administration, could have easily done the same thing, said, listen, we're going to finish this board, we're going to standardize, we're going to create it. But why didn't they? And how is this going to economically affect you? Let's be clear. The people that are coming, as I mentioned before, they're not scientists and professors from Eastern Bloc countries, like coming from the, you know, Czechoslovakia or Poland. They aren't fleeing communists because they're literary professors or artists These are folks that barely speak their own language, let alone ours. These are folks that have almost no literacy in anything other uh, than—not everybody. Don't point to one guy and says, "Boy, he speaks English better than most people." Okay, fine. Those people should get in line like everybody. What's the difference? I mean, why is it such a hate thing to say a country should have borders? Look at Mexico's southern border. Have you guys seen it? It looks like a prison barbed wire and chains and and fences and tall gates and try to come to mexico from from a foreign country you know south of it, it, it you can't do that and mexico wants assistance at least the new president does but who will that affect it's going to affect the lowest income people the folks coming from you know, by and large, that that flee across the border. They're not going to become the the next greatest software engineer in the next three years. Maybe they're children, right? Maybe maybe in a two in a two generations they'll be the person who finds the cure for cancer. I'm not saying there's not potential. Of course, all of us have that. But the people that are coming now are the folks that are going to put pressure on the lower economic wages. And who is that that is, that is often there in the United States? It's other minorities. So other minorities are the ones that are now going to have challenges for a job. Other minorities are going to be the ones that have the push, the pull against those jobs. The entry-level jobs, the jobs that teenagers are supposed to do to learn things like showing up on time, getting along well with others, completing a task without micromanagement supervision. That's what those entry-level minimum wage jobs are supposed to be. They're not supposed to be there to provide for a family of four. They're supposed to be that second job to pay off debt or to buy that house eventually. Or to get you back into college, so you're going to be working part-time. The, the minimum wage jobs had a purpose in our society. Otherwise, you're going to end up paying $20 for, for a hamburger. It's just not a secret. And when they don't teach you math, they don't teach you science, then you're going to fall for the minimum wage argument. You're going to fall for the climate change baloney. And you're certainly going to fall for the, the pandemic craziness wear three masks and wear gloves. And when you're walking by yourself with your dog and in your car by yourself, you're supposed to wear a mask. Right? Eighth grade science. Find a book if you can, if they haven't burned it by yet, you know, yet. (laughs) Then what you'll end up doing is questioning a lot of these people. So what's happening now? Well, Oakland officials announce a framework for guaranteed income pilot program. They did that last week. Okay, that's nice. But do you think they're going to limit it to what? Citizens? That's a bad word to them. There's no such thing as the word citizen. In their mind, a bad word is anything that says the United States is special. And President Trump had it right. If you go to Central America or to Asia or to Germany, or France, they're going to tell you that they're special. They're supposed to. They're supposed to say, we're number one, we're number one. They're supposed to do that. And so, when the United States says it, all of a sudden, we're somebody that's bad. Because all of a sudden, you become, if you're saying we're number one, then they must be number two. And I think you should realize that every country is probably great at something, or many things. Certainly the United States is great at many things. French wine, German technology, the Filipino family structure. Every, every nation has something or many things that it's great at. And I think when you start pushing this, this uh, merging of nations and the border starts to happen, guess who's going to be paying the price the most? It's the poor amongst us. It's the ones that are that minimum wage job class, the folks that are there on a temporary basis. Now there are no jobs for them. Now, if you're a young child, whatever, let's say 16-year-old, 18-year-old, and you're trying to get that first job, and now you, you enter the workforce, and you can't. I probably uh, mentioned before, if I didn't, I'll tell you now, when I was 16 years old, 15, 16, I, I, well, I've been working since I could remember, probably 12 years old or someplace, something, 11, maybe. But when I was 15, 16, I wanted to work in a nursery, plants and trees. I just, I I still like that, the outdoors. And I went to a, a friend of mine's father who owned a nursery in town. It was, I don't know, maybe an acre, two acres. They grew specialized plants, and I thought it was great. So I went for an interview, and I spoke to him. He liked my work ethic. I told him what I did. Okay, great. Here's one problem, though, Arif. The guys here speak Spanish, and they don't like it when an outsider comes in. So you're going to have a tough time. Expect them to ignore you and pick on you. Now, I'm 15 years old. I have plenty of choices to do other type of work, and I just said, no, thanks. I'm not going to do that. That's just not I'm not going to to put myself in that position the job wasn't that important to me now if you're somebody who doesn't have those other opportunities now what happens right if one particular group doesn't matter their nationality doesn't matter their their language is unable to allow others to come into that so now what does the lower middle class, entry-level job, teenager, young college student do for a living? Uh, what do they do? Where do they go? Because that job is never going to be worth more than what it's worth. It's, you're not going to flip three extra hamburgers per hour if you go from $10 an hour to 15 right? There's nothing that's special that happens. There's no extra value. You're not going to work harder. You're not going to clean the restrooms in a faster way because they're paying you more money. They just paid you more money. Normally, in economics, the reason people are paid more money is because they know more things. They do more things more efficiently. They work harder, smarter, longer. And as that education and experience is grown and rewarded financially, surprise, you make more money. (laughs) ha <laughs> surprise wow imagine that how lucky are we so ask yourself as you are going through this portion in your life right this economic change ask yourself something pretty important which is if if we are going to continuing to to allow this permeation of a less educated certainly ignorant to the ways of the united states less uh, experienced and skilled and you are now building as uh, many hosts on different conservative stations would say you are building the servant class. The reason the wealthy, the billionaires continually and consistently want the, uh, uh, the Democrat way of life is to build their their workers because you know that they have a guard, right? Go by Mark Zuckerberg's home. He has twenty four hour, ready for this armed security. He has twenty four hour people watching him at work. He has twenty four hour a day people watching his other uh, family members, armed usually retired or off-duty policemen. These are people who have a job to do. Is to Nothing wrong with that. But do you think the young immigrant family, like when I was a kid, listen, we grew up when there were, it was an 1,100-square-foot house, my mom and dad, three bedrooms, two baths, in the San Fernando Valley. And we had 11 people in that home. Me, my mom, and dad, and my three sisters, that was six, and then we would have a family that of uh, two girls and a boy and a parent and the mom and dad. Five people. So me and the son slept on the living room floor. This was probably the second or third grade. The mom and dad and the two girls slept in my old bedroom. My three sisters slept in another bedroom and my mom and dad in another bedroom. And we had one bathroom that all of us shared. My mom and dad had one bathroom for themselves, although some of us kids, sometimes we went in there. But And you made it work. And the goal was not for those people to live in our home forever. It was for them to get established, to figure things out, to learn the language, to get to school. So immediately my mom enrolled the kids in school. It was complete immersion. Do you think anybody in the school spoke Arabic? <laughs> no. So my cousins that that came in, who should have been, let's say, in the fourth grade, well, they, they stepped back to the third grade because they had to learn the language, let alone math and reading and all of that. Six months, fluent, without an accent. Not that it's bad or good to have an accent, but fluent. The parents, now they struggled. They were older, took them longer. Now... Most of those kids are successful business owners with awesome, decent families, entrepreneurs, work ethic, honorable human beings. If you would have given them something just for existing or said, your station in life is stuck being a minimum wage worker. What, what good is that for them? What good is that for the nation? Right? All of them became citizens. They don't lose their identity. They don't think of their their former country less than. They just recognize and appreciate that what the United States does and can provide is amazing. Well, in order to pay for this, surprise, your taxes are going to go up. You need to plan and prepare because I think that's going to happen. Biden says it unapologetically. And the way he does it is with class warfare. By saying we're only going to tax those people... Of this economic, this income. Now, I expect most of you that listen to this show don't believe that. I think most of you know that he's full of baloney because he is. I think most of you know that his financial or, or uh, you know, his prowess when it comes to making intelligent decisions uh, just is not going to be anything other than one main. Uh, priority. And it's to just not look silly. You've heard me talk about in the past how much I think Jill Biden is at fault for all of this. It isn't Kamala Harris. She's a political creature. She's an extremist. She has a job to do, and that is to change this country into something that only her and her friends have power and money. It's not to make it available for all of us. And that's the same thing with all the other chief of staff. Listen, the 27, the 35-year-olds, the 47-year-olds, all of those people around Joe Biden, they're going to be in Washington, D.C. They're going to be ingrained as part of the strong swamp for decades. Joe Biden, bless his soul, I don't know how long he's going to be on this earth, but I've given you my bet, my promise. My promise. Right, <laughs> if it's my uh, if it's my political prowess, ready? I think he's going to be out of the office before summer of 2021, before the end of summer 2021. I think they're going to try to do everything they can. I call him Bernie Biden, not because of Bernie Sanders, but weekend at Bernie's. Remember that? They're propping him up. He can't walk up the stairs. He's got cognitive stuff. Other nations. I have friends in many other countries. Quietly and privately, the business owners, the powerful people there, the the people that pay attention, they are very concerned about the United States. They feel like it's a ship without a rudder. And the concern that they have is simple. If tech companies, if five or six billionaires, Zuckerberg, Gates, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, if five or six billionaires can overthrow the president of the United States without a shot being fired, then how much more is the president of Brazil or Germany or France or Japan? How much more are those nations subject to the power of these tech companies? Why do you think Australia is putting their foot down? And other nations are putting their foot down. And I hate to say this, but China figured it out early. They said, well, we're not going to give Google the same power. We're not going to give Apple the same power. So they don't. They don't have the same power and influence as they do in the United States. So I think some of you have to plan for not just higher taxes, but for greater turmoil coming. I don't know how long the stock market's going to go up, but I think it's going to be volatile. I don't know how long you think tax rates are going to stay what they are, but I can promise you January 2022, they're not going to be the same. And chances are really good they're not going to be less because we're not going to get a Republican administration, particularly a conservative administration, for a very long time. I think if the day comes when somebody like President Trump can either be reelected or somebody like President Trump can uh, be the kingmaker create and build numerous people in positions of power, create and build a powerful legacy so that President Trump has that influence and his conservative ideas, then, then I think we have a shot. I think we have a shot as a country and as a government to sit down and make a difference. So where are they going to take the money from? Well, I think they're going to take it from your retirement account. Now, they're not going to call up and say, hi, uh, Fidelity or uh, Allianz, uh, Vanguard. Hi, just send me a check. Mary Smith's account. I want that money. They're not going to do that. No, no, no. What they will do is something completely different. They're going to sit down and they're going to say, hey, uh, no, 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 no. Listen, it's your money. Of course it is. But just so you know, if you're going to take it out or if you're going to give it as an inheritance or if you're going to, and they will give a list. As soon as it leaves that world, we're going to take 20, 30, 40, 50% of it. That's how they're going to take it. A lot of the, the half-truths that come across on different advertising, and different advertisements when they say, we're going to take your money, the government has a seizure, it's just taxing it. Well, they've always had the power to tax it. But how much will they take? That's the news. That's the interesting part. Will they take a lot? Will they take a little? Will they take most of it or half of it? I don't know. So there is a way to do a conversion to get some of those paid for and taxed in the year 2020 to get it done and under, under the, the tax guidelines today, reduce your taxes, and then it's your money. Then do with it as you choose. It's not right for everybody. We just have to see. But we can do that. We can create reliable retirement income to circumvent the noise, the craziness that's happening. Whether it's the immigration issue, whether it's the pol- politics in D.C., wherever the problems might come from, you're not subject to those same issues. You're not part of the problem. You can actually eliminate the issues from some or all of those accounts by taking action now. I'm Earif Halaby. It's 99 retire eight 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 nine nine seven. 3847. I think part of what you do as you're building for your economic life is what I call a balanced approach. Now, when you're young, a balanced approach isn't necessarily the right thing because your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your job. So your finances, your retirement accounts, man, you could spin that all, put it on red, go crazy, uh, take chances, IPOs and tech companies and startups and all the other stuff that Bitcoin and that people do, great, you can do that. But as you get older, as you're starting to count on your life, having a guaranteed stream of income, well, that's where we fit. We're going to cover that and a lot more when we come back on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halaby. The Total Financial Hour on your place for news, talk and information. Thanks for being with me. Stay with me as I come right back. Financial security will help you live the
1: life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategies. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher Strategy. Learn from Arab Learn
0: Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. Total Financial Hour. I'm of Halaby. Thanks for being a part of the show. As we are talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, kind of planning for the future and what that, what that does to your day-to-day living. All right, I'm going to give you kind of a step-by-step approach. What I think is necessary as we move forward in planning and preparing for retirement. Ready? Number one, if you have a job that has a retirement account, a 401k or 403b, the 400s, just so we're clear, if you go to IRS section 401 subsection K, it says if you work for a for-profit company, you can put money into a retirement account. Now, of course, I'm summarizing, but you get the idea. It's the numbers all they are is a representative uh, uh, of where they are in the U- IRS code for example a few years later the 403b which is also known as a tax sheltered annuity or tsa usually for educators for nonprofits hospital workers they had one that does the same thing if i go to work i make 50000 a year if i put 10000 into my retirement account today i only pay taxes on 40,000. But when I retire, where I retire, that $10,000 plus all of its interest is subject to whatever taxes are at that time and and what my income is. So, if you have one of those plans, I listen, I, whatever age you are in, if you are in the 20s, your 30s, your 40s, start that account and put the maximum in it. Now, you're going to grunt, you're going to whine, you're going to feel bad, you're going to create this, like, but only if, I don't, listen, I don't care about that. You have to still do it. Work overtime. Spend less money somewhere else. Put 15%. Now, you're going to say, Arif, they only match 6%. Now, here's what the matching is. You put in money, they put in money. If you don't put in money, they don't put in money. So guess what you have to do? Put in money. Now, if the number that they match is 6%, then you still need to put in more. If you say you can't afford 15% of your pay right now, then you should at least put in 10. You understand? Absolutely. Put in 10. Here's why. That money is deferred for your taxes. Yeah, I think you're going to get hit at a high tax bracket later, but we're going to try to outrun some of those tax increases by your earnings. We're going to try to outrun some of those tax increases because you don't really have a choice. Because for many of you, the pension system that you thought was going to be there, whether it's public or private pension, for many of you, it's not going to be there. And it certainly won't be there in the way in which you thought it was going to be anyway. I'll give you an example. We're hearing some of the larger employers, I won't say their names on the air, but some of the larger employers, defense contractors, entertainment companies, that the lump sum option, which means when you retire, you say, hey there, uh, what is my account? They go, oh, you have 820,000 or 4,800 a month for the rest of your life. So you say, gosh, I'm going to take 820,000. Well, then they never see you again. They go, bye-bye. Thanks for coming. You get nothing else. Now you have a big check for 820. You need to roll over. Otherwise, you'll pay half of it in taxes. So that's fine. We can do that. We do that all the time. Every week, every month, we're doing this on a regular basis. But a lot of people are taking their money out. And the pension system is losing half a million, a million dollars. Every time somebody leaves. So we're getting word that they're considering removing that lump sum option. And if they do, then it means you're just you, leave, you lose the 800,000 and you're only entitled to the monthly paycheck, which means if you die after one paycheck, maybe your spouse or your beneficiary gets a little bit, but ultimately the money is gone. So if you're old enough, if you're considering retiring, you want the lump sum pension then do some research on whether or not it's the right thing to do as far as retiring now. Now, if you're going to work anyway, if you like your job and you don't really mind receiving the, the monthly paycheck versus the lump sum and on and on, well, then it may not matter to you as much. But just know that it's an option, okay? Just know that they may take that away. And if they do, you, you'll get a little bit of warning and there'll probably be an exodus from the firm or the company and they're going to leave in, in droves So if you have a pension coming your way, I love it, we'll plan for it. But eventually, I believe, especially if you're in your 30s and 40s, maybe even your 50s, but certainly your 30s and 40s, I expect them to means test Social Security. That means they're going to say, I know you've paid for something, you've put it in, but be a good citizen because the others need it. And uh, listen, you've been good with your money. You're blessed. You have rental properties. You have income. You have an, a business. You have a pension. You have, well, uh, you don't need it. We're going to keep your social security and give that to the others. I expect them to do something like that. It's no different than them forgiving student loans. You know how much I had to go without so that my kids didn't have student loans? Do you know how many uh, my employees could not get a pay raise because I had to make sure my kids could finish college without a student loan. You know how many people were affected? Right? Uh, Not just, oh, I couldn't go on my eighth vacation this year. No, no, no. This is, I mean, it affected a lot of people. We went into debt in other areas of our lives. We have three children. Now, my youngest is just about to be done with school. But we've been paying for college for 10 years. But now, now, Joe Biden, you want to forgive? Wonderful. I'll tell you what. How much are you gonna forgive? Twenty thousand, fifty thousand, whatever? Then you pay me that for each one of my kids. Right? All of us that worked our tail off, that didn't buy the boat or take the trip or get the larger house or, or get the you know three hundred thousand dollar backyard that we all dreamed of on HGTV, right? Forget it. I sacrificed for my kids so that I, and I had grass in my backyard. So so give me that check. Give me the fifty thousand times three. That's called fair. That's decent. That should be the Democrat values. So I'm going to sit here. I'm going to hold my breath. You guys come back next week and see if I'm still alive. Because we don't expect it to happen. The Democrat values are built on class warfare. They have lost the argument on race. This is the last dying breed. It's like they're dying, you know, going down for the count on the on the mat in a boxing ring and just as they're vertical they're still swinging their arms calling everybody a racist you're a racist you're a racist no you're a racist oh what there was a crime well it was because the person right if the if the victim was black and the perpetrator was not then it was a hate crime because the person was black if the person was white that was a victim and the perpetrator was anything other than white then it is just the way it is it's called crime but if the person uh, uh, right i mean do you understand this this hate crime on asian stuff look at the statistics who are the ones more likely to the, to commit the crimes on the asians it's not male whites that are middle class from stanford or a farm boy from from kentucky that's not who it is My argument has always been I don't think the black community commits crimes on the Asians because they're Asian. I think it happens to be, hey, you have something I want. You're in this neighborhood and I'm in this neighborhood, so I'm taken from you. I think the, the left's job is to see race everywhere all the time, racism and privilege. I think they should be ashamed of themselves. I don't know if they ever will be. Just like you look at the George McGovern video or you look at some of uh you know, the the staunch white Democrats, the Joe Bidens of the world, the things that he said when it was politically correct to be a racist, because Joe Biden was, probably, maybe still is, I don't know. Now he doesn't even know if he's eating oatmeal or eggs for breakfast, but whatever the case might be, right? The things he said about busing and black students, and instead of standing for principles, Kamala Harris said, oh, oh, yeah, I'll team up with you. This is part of your penance." right she called him a racist i was that little girl on the bus right when california instituted this bussing what a horrible idea that was right when when they created this system and joe biden stood in the way of it because of, of his racist beliefs listen there there are racists it doesn't mean people still don't work with other people and it doesn't mean people can change but it also doesn't mean there's racists under every corner and every block and every rock and around the next bend. But they're going to create social change that will impact your retirement account. Because when they defund the police, where do they move those funds? To social programs, to corrupt nonprofit organizations like Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Coalition, to corrupt tax evasion organizations that that are run by oh, what's that guy from MSNBC Tuana Brawley remember him yeah, I don't even, I'm purposely forgetting his name at the moment when you see that organizations those organizations saying give us more government money and then you look at the amount of taxes that those people and their organizations do not pay because quote they're nonprofits for social justice and then when it's time to fund the police again do you think they're going to take money from those organizations right it isn't a a, a sum game of a 100 where they're shifting money to a you know 80 to 1 20 to another because when they took money from from law enforcement and they they push it down the different avenues then surprise guess what's going to happen When crime spikes, like it's doing, when victims are speaking out, like they're doing, they're going to have to raise more money, and they're not going to take from those nonprofits Because if they did, guess what? Oh, it's racist. The reason you're trying to defund those organizations is because they're helping minorities. So yeah, you could give more money to the police, but you can't take it from us now. So, now they need 120% of what they used to have 100% for. Well, that's important you know that because in your life, economically speaking, who pays the taxes? I mean, let's just think logic for a minute. Is it the 32-year-old with two kids and $100,000 in student loan debt between him and his wife? Uh, Does he have any money to pay taxes? Does he have any money in his retirement account that they're going to snatch? No. He's barely getting by or he's trying to, to work hard. He's working two jobs, whatever they're doing as a family. But if you're a retiree with your house paid off, if you did the right thing, if you went without, if you saved, you're the one with the money. Surprise! And because you're also the one that pays attention to the news, you're also the one that works and and uh, you know in communities and neighborhoods and volunteers. But you're also the one that votes. So the power in this country, believe it or not, will and has continued to lie with retirees. So the greater amount of retirees that that get involved, the greater amount of you, baby boomers, that get involved, the greater chance we have of riding this ship. They have not completely passed the point of no return. Now, if Kamala Harris, if Joe Biden stays in two years and 10 minutes, then she's going to get two more elections. So she can run two more times, and, and if you will, govern for 10 years. That is life-changing. That's generationally changing. That's FDR change. And I can tell you, even if Congress is 100% in the Republican hands, it's not going to matter. They have chosen to run, well, through regulatory agencies, through fiat, through executive order, so I don't expect some big changes to come down the road anytime soon. However, when we defeat this progressive ideas in 2022, when we defeat in 2024 Kamala Harris running for president on the Democrat side, then we will have a chance to fix this ship, make a change, get back on track. It's just not going to be easy, and you have to get involved. Uh, all of us are frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. All of us run around in circles and say, hey, you know, I'm just getting tired, tired of being told I'm a racist, tired of saying, you know, something to my friends. And then they say, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. No, I'm a pro-choice, right? I thought we were pro-choice. It's my body. We don't want the government involved in our bodies if you're progressive, because you think a woman's body where where abortion is, is there. All right. If we take that, then shouldn't I be able to control my own body with the vaccine? I mean, uh, if I want a vaccine, I'll get a vaccine. If I don't want a vaccine, I don't get a vaccine. What is that of your business? Because if you're going to allow the government to get involved in people's lives and force them to do things, then you better be prepared on the other side to say, oh, yeah, well, now they can get involved and say things about terminal illness or abortion or the right to die when it comes to medical treatment. How about you just leave it between me? Just let me decide. And if I'm an adult, I get to decide. If I'm not an adult, well then, you can't force things on me. It's the parents. It's the person. It's the doctor, right? There's a combination. Nobody should be forced to have a vaccine to keep a job. And now you have, you know, attorney generals are forcing Facebook to take down anti-vaxxers. You are literally polarizing the country. When you have multiple news sources where everybody sees their own truth coming from their own platforms, when Facebook no longer allows the exchange of ideas, but they're controlling the set of ideas, then senior citizen, baby boomer, uh, it doesn't matter if you're going to vote or not because the voting will be rigged because the information received will be rigged. So that's my concern. That's my concern. When you're looking at trying to put the right people in office so they don't tax you to death, so they allow you to control your own money, well, if we have the platforms, the Facebooks, the Googles, right, the Microsofts of the world, if we have those platforms that are deciding what, quote, is fair, what is just, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you. It's going to be tough for me. It will be tough for any of us to get out a message. And this station is one of the only ways to do that. I want you to know that. You might just turn it on and and kind of live on it all weekend long or all day long. That's great. But just know we are on an island that is quickly being engulfed by the sea. Because as this disinformation, as the next chaos, as the next... right, There's going to be another shooting. There always is. There's another car accident. There always is. There's another virus. There always is. The climate changes. It always does. But when the left can occupy each of those ideas in such a way where they turn it into a crisis as a way to strip more values, more rights, more freedoms away from you. Then I I think you have an opportunity uh for you and your family to either get involved or be prepared to be servants. Right? If you don't think the servant class from from you know the immigration influx is happening, these are different era of immigrants. Now, listen, we dealt with in when the Irish famine, a lot of Italians and Irish and Poles. Right. We've we dealt with this kind of level of immigration in the past where it was the lower skilled workers. And it took us a while to assimilate them. It took us a while to to grow them. But we were, uh, you know, as part of the country. But but they wanted to be Americans. They came here more American, if you will, than people that were born here for two or three or four generations. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but remember, they didn't allow their native language to be spoken in the house because they wanted their kids to, quote, be American, learn English. It's the reason I didn't learn Arabic, right? We we didn't speak it in the house. And my mom's American, so we didn't speak it, you know, with her. And by the time, I'm not saying you're supposed to not speak that native language. I'm saying the mindset of the last, quote, poor generation that a hundred years ago that flooded into this country, that that era of people, they came here with the idea that this was the golden opportunity, not a golden guarantee. Who wants that? If you want a guarantee of something, you have to be willing to give up freedoms. Guarantee equals slavery. Uh, endangered servitude uh, equals what? Guarantee of anything means you give up. And many of you are willing to do that. Hey, listen, I'm willing. So then I'll tell you what, you get to speak for you. If you want to give up your freedoms to get something back, then that's up to you. That's your that's your right. But you don't get to speak for me. right? You don't get to say that that uh, people that enjoy freedom, that want freedom, if you don't want to carry a gun, don't carry a gun. You don't want to you know, defend speech, don't defend speech. But don't get mad at me for defending other people's speech. All of these political and social things intertwine because the tax brackets that you are going to end up being in will be increased. And they will take your money. You know, I I used to say this uh, when when this mandatory mask thing first started. I said, you have to be prepared to shoot somebody for not wearing a mask. And my friends are saying, you're crazy. What are you talking about? I said, oh, yeah, because here's how it goes. It's very simple. Hey, sir, uh, you have to wear a mask if you want to come into this establishment. Say, listen, I've been shopping at this store for 20 years. I'm just buying my groceries and I'm leaving. I'm not sick. I don't have any comorbidities. So I'm good. No, sir, you can't be in here. Yes, I am. No, you can't. They call the police. Police come. And they say, sir, you can't be in here. Yes, I can. I'm shopping. It's a public place. Well, you have to wear a mask. That's no, not a law. It's not an emergency anymore. The emergency came and went. Now you have to pass legislation or it doesn't, uh, you know, the emergency order is literally for an emergency, not for a year. So I'm not wearing my mask and I'm not leaving. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Show me your ID. I'm not showing you my ID. You're under arrest. I'm not under arrest. Yes, you are. And then there's a fight. And somebody goes to jail. And guess what? Have we not seen it? Right? That 50, 60-year-old lady being dragged out and arrested. How many men and women are engaged in fights at big box stores? How many people are making it their business that you're not wearing a mask or you're not wearing it properly you wanna you wanna give up those rights just don't ask other people to do so Where will this go? I think in the end i I think in the end we might have a, a civil disturbance slash civil war i may i wish it's not going to be that way i don't know I'm hopeful that that it's just a an imagination of those that are quite active in the world of creativity in what's happening next but do I think that it's possible that there'll be this state against that state or this city against that city? Yes unfortunately, I think enough people are getting tired of being told what to do from a dishonest group of politicians that are beyond hypocrites, that are just dishonest, lying, right? When you have California governor meeting with the head of the American, uh, sorry, the California Medical Association, and they're trying to tell you to do things that they're not doing, then both politically, the political leader of the state and the medical leader of the state are both not doing what they told you to do. I I think they lose credibility. So please take a look, protect your money. If you want guaranteed income, reliable income, away from this craziness, away from the volatility, more predictable without the tax world that's coming down uh, the tax, part, maybe we can help. Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. Arif Halaby, that's me. Every week at this time, TFS Financial brings a great program. I like it because it gets me, uh, gets a chance for me to talk to you. 888-99-RETIRE. 888 997 3847. Thanks for being part of the show. Have a great week. Learn
1: about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial power.